Welcome back to Butter With That, a movie podcast where friends from Philly sit around, talk about movies, learn a little bit more about film, learn a little bit more about themselves. Um, this Too much. <laughs> has, uh, how's everyone doing? Has anyone seen any good movies? Lately? I did. Yeah? Yeah. Um, last night, I got to go to a like preview screening of uh, First Man, which was cool. Um, so that's the Neil Armstrong movie with um, uh, Ryan Gosling. And it's by the same guy that did La La Land and Whiplash, if any of you guys Damien saw those movies. Chazelle? I like Whiplash. Whiplash yeah. I think you were really about cool. to say Shazam, and I was like, what is that his real name? <laughs> <Shazam>. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Wait a minute. Um, you know what? That, not to interrupt you, Tori. Yeah. But that reminds me of the conspiracy. But <laughs> the conspiracy of Shaq, a Shazam, and then oh, what's his face? No, I'm sorry. I, don't know. I, I think we might up. have to dedicate like a whole thing to that. You're talking about the Mandela, <laughs> the effect, Mandela thing effect with uh, Sinbad. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. It was so it's Sinbad everyone thinks that Shazam, but it was actually Shaq and Kazam. But there's another movie that people were thinking about also. Oh. So think. there is no movie called Shazam. I don't. Well, not, certainly not one that is like Kazam. No. Well, because wow. Zachary Levi is Shazam in the oh, DC right. movie coming up, that takes place in Philly. No way. It does. They didn't film any of it in Philly, but oh, those fuckers! If someone told me that there was a movie Shazam, I would believe them. Yeah, but there's, there's going to be one. Gonna be. There's going to well, be okay, one. So now I know. <laughs> I, uh, now <laughs> I can know that. But oh, specifically, man. a movie from the '90s named Shazam just seems Starring really boring. Right. Sinbad. Like everything about it. Yeah. Isn't there a movie um, called Sinbad? Yeah, it was an animated pirate movie. There we go. Yeah. Wow. God, this just is like a rabbit hole. This it's went to a so whole sorry. other place. Circle. Go, tell us about Ryan Gosling. No, it was it was good. Ryan Gosling was really great. Um, I don't think it's a movie that I would have like gone to if I had not gotten in for free. Like it's just a movie like I feel like I could have missed because I'm not like a biopic kind of person. But I'm happy I saw it. It was like I really like Ryan Gosling, so it was pretty decent. Um, there's also like a lot of other random actors in it um, that like I just know is like from being younger and so it's like weird seeing them all as a little bit older which was something we were all kind of obsessed with but. does Claire Foy play his wife yes I love her she's great she's what great else is she in, in besides she's in Wolf Hall she's yeah. in The Crown she's in this excellent Dickens miniseries that was on BBC um, called Little Dorrit and she is someone I've been following for a while, and she's wonderful. Okay, she's I thought I knew actress. her from more than The Crown, but I also haven't seen that other stuff. Isn't she in that new one? The girl, it's similar vein as the girl with the dragon tattoo, but it's like the girl with the spider web on her face. Yes, like yes, <laughs> trapped in the spider web. Can we all on make her different face? like, like in the next like for the series, like the next book. I think we should all make up different names. Oh shoot! I would love that. Um, yeah, that was, that was me. What did, did anyone else see any, any things? Yes. So exciting news, everybody. I started watching Lord of the Rings. Woo. For the first time? For the first time. Um, like nearly 20 years later, nearly. Um, oh, wow. I'm like a third yeah. of the way through Return of the King. I like it a lot. Um. You didn't start with Return of the King, right? No. Oh, okay. I'm not an idiot, Connor. Um, oh, but thank you. Anyway, for assuming that I am one, because uh, some days I am. Uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, um, what I will say is that Samwise is my child. Um, I love him. He's my son. Well, you know, I am like best friends with 
Samwise now. So well, he's my son. So well, I'm glad I go. raised him right. Yeah. Um, bitch boy Frodo. I've been calling him that. Listen, I we can't get into this today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. But I mean, I get it, but we can't get into it today. But I'm super excited. I loved the two towers. I thought that was it's so really good. good. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. That a uh, night battle. Yo, oh, unbelievable! It's wild. All of those ladders filled with orcs. I was like, oh my god! Yeah, I was stressed. I was sweating because I was so stressed. <laughs> Doesn't Gimli just get one of the orcs like right in the dick too with his axe? I think so. I'm pretty sure that's Probably the thing that happens. Like kills. thrown from a distance? <laughs> no, like because Gimli's small. Dick. And so like the orc just kind of comes out at him and just like, uh, that's yeah. like just where he aimed because he's little. Oh, also, yeah. Tori and I have talked about this, but the actor who plays Gimli is also, um, we're going to Princess Diaries 2, Chris Pine's uncle. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. is, he, is, he, <laughs> is he recognizable? What else I'm has he like, been like, in? like, two things that I want to talk more about and can't. Princess Diaries 2 and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Listen, I always want to talk about Princess Diaries. Yeah, I think too, each topic requires a separate month. You're right. True. Julie Andrews' birthday, I think, was yesterday. Oh, happy yeah. birthday. I think oh. that sounds familiar. What a queen. True. All right. Anybody else watch any cool movies? Just The Office. All right. Great. Cool. Well, um, we can move on to our next segment, which is Unfocused Group. We pick at random questions from a nice little pile and uh, see what comes to mind first. Are we ready? Yeah. Yay? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, God, let's questions. do it. I'm these just questions. Dying in the corner, but I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, all of us are dying just in one dying way or a another. Ugh, okay. First question. What is the ocean creature you are most afraid of? Oh, no. All of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> every one of them. The anglerfish. Every fish, mm. every plankton. But here's the thing about it. It's like there are creatures that exist that we don't even know about. It's like the bloop, that thing. <laughs> oh, the bloop. That, oh, God. That what is fish. the bloop? What's the bloop? The bloop is a subsonic sound that was recorded on a couple oh, different uh, stations. Uh, underneath the ocean in the Pacific Ocean that were miles and miles and miles away from each other at the same time, suggesting that the sound uh, would have been so tremendous and voluminous that it w- could have been made by a tremendously large creature. Uh, although they're pretty certain that it's actually even more horrifyingly the sound of the polar ice caps scraping against the bottom of the sea as they melt. Both Sweet. are... Aw- that is two, those are two great concepts I would love to <laughs> And that makes encounter. me want death. Want mm. death. Yeah. All right. It's sad because they found a tin can at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, which is like so deep. And now we know the pollution has reached so far down into the trenches of the earth. Hey guys, this so is unfortunately to be the blue podcast. The loop might have been the tin scraping oh, the bottom layers that. of the deepest trench in the I ocean. I thought the bloop was you know that one fish that has like a really like oh, oh the ugly fish. Yeah, what is that called? A uh, flounder? Uh, Flounders are pretty ugly. No, it was like no, no, this no, no, like no. it just looks like goo with a face. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. blobfish. Uh, is that what it is? Maybe I don't Hold know. On, I'm gonna look this up. Okay. Um, what o- what other creatures we got? Um, giant squids. Yes, that's like, fair. I don't like that they have like beaks. I respect the giant squid more than any oh, other creature on mm. the planet. Uh, but I'm also very uh, in fear of. Are we talking about real one. ones or fake like, or oh. ones we are, know like aren't 
real probably no like real ones like the giant squids with uh with like they have the beaks right they have the beaks that they chew their things with what no because like after i saw the second pirates of the caribbean movie i was convinced that anytime i was on a boat it was gonna get eaten by a kraken so well we already talked about one of my irrational fears based on that factor fiction episode yeah true well how about you tori that was my thing. Oh, I don't, the bracket. Got it. I love all fucking sea creatures. I wanted to be a marine biologist for forever, so I'm really not scared of most of them, you know? There have been a lot of shark attacks in the news lately. Yeah, well, we're invading their fucking, la- their fucking home, so. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I feel bad for no one. Who's in my waters? <laughs> this is my swamp. Like, if I had people intruding in my home and I had, like, giant teeth, I would probably bite them, too. Yeah. Just saying. Eat off their yeah. limbs. That's the way to yeah. uh, approach intruders. Exactly. All right. Next question. <clears throat> do people have any Halloween traditions? I do. I love it. My, um, ever since I was a kid, we do a Halloween tree, like a Christmas tree, except my mom will just find a dead, like a big dead branch in the backyard and we'll like put it in the house and decorate it. (laughs) It's honestly way better than Christmas trees. It's so much fun doing it. So like we just keep finding like ridiculous stuff to put on the trees too. Yeah. I don't have any Halloween tradition. I don't know. Like we would just go out and trick or treat. You, my friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you come up you with that? You and millions of other people. <laughs> Great. What? Um, I don't really have a tradition. I've been working on Halloween for the past couple of years. Um, however, my roommate and I, we do a month of spoop where we watch a scary movie every night in October. So we've been doing that for two years. We failed last year, so it was a big bummer. But I feel like I fail almost every single yeah. time. Yeah, the first year we were awesome. This year we're already ahead, so I'm Good. excited. My brother and I um, built tombstones out of some old plywood and put it in our front yard for a while, and we used to put those out every year. Um, and then time just slipped <laughs> through our fingers, and we wouldn't return to the old traditions and they're still collecting dust in our garage oh. that time's just gone one by tombstone and it says memories but Ooh. you haven't made it yet <laughs> oh my god we're just hitting on so many of my anxiety like pressure points right now <laughs> i know Dave, oh, any halloween traditions we're i've f- got kind of an embarrassing sort of one every yeah. year uh since uh i guess uh 10th Ninth or tenth grade, um, I will always watch and typically play along to uh, on guitar uh, the Alkaline Trio's Live at the Metro DVD, which was a good show. Uh, grown out of that band quite a bit, but I still do it almost every year. Aww. On Halloween? Yeah, I try to. Okay. Or I try to keep it Halloween adjacent at the very least. That is okay. An excellent tradition. Yeah, I dig it. That's really sweet. <laughs> Halloween resolutions. Let's uh, keep up with our old traditions this year. Oh, I would totally do resolutions if they were Halloween resolutions. Yes, well, yeah. we should do some. Uh, Most of mine would be like, come up with a better costume next year, but still. We'll check in next time and see who has uh, followed up with their resolution. <laughs> resolution. All right, last question. Best jack-o'-lantern carving you ever did. That is to say that you that you have done a jack-o'-lantern oh, carving. God. 
Two years ago, I made one of my cat, Phoebe. Oh. It was really, oh, it was terrible, but um, then I put it out on the porch and the squirrels ate it immediately, but I had fun doing it. But there's always a part in pump, pumpkin carving where I'm like, <laughs> be over. <laughs> this takes too long. It's just so much goo. Yeah. I love putting my hands in that pumpkin oh, goo. Oh, shit, yeah. Like, yeah. I get my arms, like, all the way in it. It's my favorite. I love that smell. Yeah. Um, Jack-o'-lantern. I made a really janky one, and Alyssa made a nice one last year, so Aww. proud of her. Well, what were both of the... Don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I was proud of myself last year just because I did one freehand that I didn't hate. Like, it had, like, a pretty creepy, like, mouth going on, and it was just, like, a standard face, but I was just really happy with it came out, because most of the time I follow patterns, and then I end up, like, sucking. I tried to do one of the, um... The Weeping Angels from Doctor Who, because I think those are creepy as Those fun. are the scariest villains on that show. I fucked it up so hard, though. That's an intricate yeah. pattern. Yeah. It, uh, I thought, like, I was, like, I used to go to this, like, jack-o'-lantern festival every year in Rhode Island with my family, and it's, like, they filled the zoo with, like, hundreds and hundreds of jack-o'-lanterns, and they're really good. That's really cool. There's, like, Lord of the Rings ones, like, Harry Potter ones. They always have, like, themed ones, too. But, like, they're so amazing, and I think I one year I was just like, yeah, I could do this. And I don't know why I thought that was possible, because I am not that artistic, but, yeah. Those kits with the, um, you get the whole, the puncher, yeah. and you get the tracing paper, and you have to punch the outline and then carve yeah. it with the small knives. I had I tried to do a moonscape one year, and it really didn't turn out so well. Ooh, Halloween resolution to buy professional-grade pumpkin carving stuff, because mm. it exists. That, ser- that small little serrated yes. knife. Um, mm. You I need, like, that. at least three different tools to undertake. What if we all carve pumpkins together? Oh, that would be cute. But, you know, what's going to happen is me going, I'm tired of this. <laughs> so if you can put up with that, then sure. Great. Oh, wait, I wanted to go back to Doctor Who for a minute. Anybody else watch it, Tori? Well, Anyone else? Yeah. I, I watched all the David Tennant ones because I was obsessed. I stopped them. <laughs> okay, so the Weeping Angels were amazing. And, the like, say whatever you want about Stephen Moffat. Like, at the end, he's fucking sucked. But when he took over and the, those first couple episodes with the Weeping Angels, holy shit, they yeah, were terrifying. They're really scary. But also the concept of, like, the way that they kill you is by putting you back, like, in a time that's, like, so different than your normal timeline. Oh, my God. That's anxiety-inducing. I mean, they, they're not real, but... Are you sure? Oh, no. That's Go not ahead. how they kill you, I think, for everyone. They just, like, sneak up behind you when you're not looking. That's why no, it's called so Don't Blink. No, so that's in, um... That, in the David Tennant years, that's how they do it. But, oh. like, the whole thing with the Stephen Moffat era is, like, oh. they were on this island and, like, they hadn't, like, been in touch with people in so long so they oh, couldn't do yeah. that so they were different. I think I forgot about that because I just liked how it was at the beginning <laughs> with the Weeping Angels. Yeah. Not movies but we should definitely have a debate about the best Doctor Who. Oh shoot yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know it seems like we have a lot of David Tennant's here already and I'm also David Tennant so. Yeah. I like Matt Smith. Okay. We'll get into, <laughs> we'll we'll get into it next time. <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you all. Um, we are going to continue our theme of the month, which is talking about important horror movies to us. Um, not necessarily our favorite or the one we've watched since we came out of the womb, but um, just <laughs> ones that we... Uh, what? <laughs> no, go on. Okay. 
<laughs> uh, just ones that are important. So this uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, the movie XX. Now, this is not a movie that I have a long relationship with, but one that I chose for this episode because I initially was going to choose Rosemary's Baby, which I think is such a taut and unsettlingly amazing movie that explores like female anxiety about childbirth, motherhood, distrust of medical experts, um, and I just think it's such a well-executed movie. However, um, was not feeling prepared or ready to really discuss that movie uh, and wrestle with Roman Polanski's um, like rape allegations and that just really, really complicating my relationship with that movie. So I decided to pick a movie that um, is an, actually a horror anthology of four um, short movies, about 20 minutes in length, that are all written and directed by women. And um, to really see how they tackle a lot of the very same themes that come up in Rosemary's Baby, but in the hands of, of women. And a couple of questions that I was really interested in exploring today was, um, in the hands of female directors and writers, um, how are or horror elements like demon babies, blood, guts, monsters, family, uh, reimagined um, through, through female writing and directorial lenses. And I'll be really curious to, to hear uh, through insights into the trailer, insights into the reviews, and insights into having seen this anthology, does the movie hang, hang together? Um, is it even reductive to assume that all, like a film that was collection of films just directed by women automatically creates a compelling thread and cohesion. Is that too of reductive of a, an assessment? Um, so excited to chat about it. Um, let's pass it over to Connor, who watched uh, the trailer. Um, yeah, so I watched the trailer for XX. I didn't even know this movie existed until um, Christine Same. picked it. Same. Um, and so the trailer was, I think, really interesting. This is a Netflix, I guess, original. Do you know if they, like, kind of bought it from a studio or if they produced the movie? I don't know how Netflix got involved, but uh, it's a collaboration between or among five different female directors. Um, Jovanka Kuvo, uh, Vukovic, Annie Clark, who's... St. Vincent, uh, the musician, Roxanne Benjamin, Roxanne Benjamin, Karen Kusama, and Sophia Carrillo. And I read an interview with a couple of them and said it seemed that they shot were just collat like had interacted with each other previously and uh, decided to sign on board. But I don't know if Netflix, um, like how Netflix got involved as the distributor. Cool, because I was kind of trying to think, like, if this was, like, a Netflix-designed trailer, I thought it did a really good job of, like, oh, I just finished watching some horror movie. Oh, here's a trailer for another one, because they're doing that now. We're like, oh, play a trailer right after you mm -hmm. finished watching something. Um, and right away kind of shows, lets you, you know, kind of shows, I guess, The Box, which I guess is, like, the first uh, film in this collection. And then it just, like, is has a lot of really creepy imagery throughout it. Definitely lets you know that they're done by uh, women directors, Definitely. And it um, like really highlights that. And there's like it's like a pink skull and lips is also um, its logo. 
as well. So that's definitely something that's like hitting on. Um, I like the movie VHS, which was another horror anthology movie. So this definitely kind of tapped into that idea, even though that was like kind of like found footage, kind of what people found on VHS tapes, but still this idea of like different horror movies kind of coming together to create a package. Um, just like really interests me in it. Um, a cons- you know, kind of, I guess a question I had is, um, is, is there substance to these films? Cause there was a lot of like creepy images, like creepy kid, um, a woman chasing people and like people falling through broken glass and just like kind of all these really creepy images. So I was just curious to see like how, you know, how much substance would be in these films. Cause definitely the images that they picked and the moments definitely like freaked me out as I was just like watching it, um, in my living room and definitely made me interested in being like, like, I could totally see myself just, like, finishing something and be like, oh, this sounds cool. Let me just put this on and watch one or two of them. And if I like them, then keep, you know, kind of going through. So the trailer grabbed you as is being a... Did it have, like, some scary elements? I want to know what's in the box. Oh, the what's in the box? <laughs> um, I do like that skull, though. That pink what's skull. What's in the box? Yeah. yeah, that pink skull. I thought that that would be, like, a tattoo that you would get. It seemed very... That sounds like something I would get tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely wanted me to know like what what is just like happening kind of in these movies because it's in, in a good way it was kind of like confusing and Tori reading the reviews were you had you said in previous conversations that you had started this movie mm-hmm. um, did the reviews make it clear that it was an anthology um, of movies how, yeah. did, how did the reviews kind of tackle mm-hmm. Um, I guess assessing yeah. a collection of movies as opposed to one long feature length film. Yeah, I mean, they definitely make it obvious. I do think it's interesting what Connor said because I don't know how many trailers I have seen for anthologies. And I feel like that is like, I, I don't know, I feel like that can be kind of confusing um, to do. So that is interesting to think about because um, I also feel like that would be a really awesome month, maybe, like anthology movies. Cause there are a bunch of great horror anthology movies out there. I was just mm-hmm. talking about a couple of them last night. Um, I think I just watched, rewatched a uh, creep show and creep show two the other day creep and both of them so are so great. good. Yeah. I, I love it so much. Um, yeah. So the reviews I feel like were pretty, like I got a decent amount on both sides of it. It seems like a lot of people were really excited about it. Um, like one person named Fernando just said like diversity is necessary and like, you know, I think horror like many other areas is like an area where women are trying to like break through more um which like i've been talking about this a lot because i'm starting to try to read more like sci-fi female writers because that's another area um someone said that there were like a was like a lot of creepy dread in it um and then another person said this interesting comment her name was jade um i got most of these from the rotten tomatoes website and she just said like women are not restricted to one kind of narrative Mm. in these stories oh shit which is interesting Mm -hmm. and i would like to to know more about that Mm -hmm. um but it's it's interesting because yeah i did start this before and the first one freaked me out so much um i don't even like yeah i just felt like kind of like gross after I watched it. And so I was like, Oh, I think I'm good. So I'm interested in like also what you guys say about the other movies. Um, as far as like the negative stuff, um, like another person named Alina just said she thought it reflected a limited vision of womanhood. Mm. Um, so I think that was like another interesting criticism that came up. Um, and one other person just said that he thought there were notable intentions, but like they fell apart in the execution of the movies. 
So for me, a lot of the common themes that came up were like un- uneven narratives, like varying like degrees of like how well like the stories were done and put together. Um, a lot of people said there wasn't like a lot of clarity or like punches in the in the movies, which I thought was also kind of interesting. And I think the, a big question that came came up for me that I definitely want to like talk more about and hear more about um, because like so much of this is like it's female writers and that's pretty much everyone that wrote reviews commented on the fact that like these are female writers and directors. And um, one thing that came up to me is like, is this important simply for that reason? And like, is that like, you know, is that enough just to like have those voices of women in horror, even if they're not, great at least in this particular one potentially that was definitely also something i was really wrestling with i'd love to hear uh what you think sam as well um especially when you're thinking about a project that's supposed to highlight the fact that women are underrepresented Mm -hmm. as writers and as directors in the horror genre but just the mere fact that it's four or i guess five including the um stop motion animation mm-hmm. that happens yeah. between the films is that enough to create a cohesive piece yeah um and should criticism stop at or, or assessments of the movie stop at oh well that's great that there are mm-hmm. five women whose visions get portrayed in screen um and so yeah um i just have a you, quick question go, go so ahead, there's Connor. five four 20 minute segments mm-hmm. and then one stop motion uh, animation, shorter stop motion animations that happen in between oh. uh, each segment. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and the trailer is like from four female directors. Yeah. So um, Sam, yeah, what did you think of this project? Oh God, I'm on the fence, honestly. Um, the last two segments, like the last two vignettes, I guess we can call them, were really good. Um, the best one, I think, was her last living son. Mm. Oh my God, I thought that was amazing. And Tori, you were talking about like um, some of the reviews saying like, um, you know, this is important because women are getting their voices heard and they're um, showing all these different facets of women. And there's one part in her her last or her only living son um, where uh, something dramatic happens where uh, I mean, I guess I can spoil Just it. Go for it. Spoil um, it. So it seems like her husband, the main character's husband, made a deal with a demon um, for an acting... This is what I thought. To get a successful acting career, he sold his wife and his firstborn son This is what you were talking about. um, To the demon or to the devil. And so the son becomes, like, a demon or devil. And on his 18th birthday, um, this, like, dark being... um, comes to take the child but the mother's like no you're my son i raised you i birthed you he doesn't get to have you after i've put all of this work in and i was like shit yes this is it like i think about this all the time like men getting like children getting the last name of men like all the time and it's like fuck you you didn't rate like you didn't grow this little Parasite. Well, no, like, children aren't parasites, but I mean, um, <laughs> you didn't grow if this one thing. Parasite, this movie definitely suggests is yeah, that children are yeah. parasites. Um, no, I don't genuinely, genuinely think that. But um, <laughs> so, like, I grew this child in me. I 
birthed it and I'm supposed to be the primary caregiver and you get that? No, fuck Until you. Until it's convenient for you to yeah, step in. fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that so hard. And so like I really felt that in that one in particular. Um, and Tori, there was something else that you said um, about like women being shown in different ways in the first vignette, the box, I kept going back to this idea that the female character was written as a man because it, she had like the traditional male characteristics. So in the first one, the box, um, one of the children, what's his name, Danny? He looks in this box that the stranger has on the train and he stops eating. And like at first you're like, oh, it's not impacting this kid. But then you see him grow like really Ugh, gaunt. Yeah. And then it's. It, oh, that's a that's a it's bad. bad. And then it goes to the daughter, to the husband, and then they all die. Um, but like the son is not eating and not eating. And the husband, who is seemingly the one who's like cooking all the meals he's like a home-based parent it seems like um he's getting very angry and very worried and he said don't you take this seriously like there's one amazing moment where both of the children like stop eating and they leave the the dinner table or maybe they're not even there and the wife is eating and he turns to her and is like how can you eat when our children aren't and she's like, oh, what I'm not supposed to eat? And I was like, oh, man, this is changing the gender stereotypes. And I thought that that was really hmm. cool. That's I loved that so much. It's also interesting uh, because that segment is based on a short story that's actually written by a man. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Um, so the, the director took this story. I don't remember who the writer is, um, but actually took that. Um, and so I think that is it's but it's very interesting how you point out that the mother's uh, the expectations of a mother are sort of examined and somewhat uh, complicated because I really saw in that in that story this reflection on what are the duties of a mother? How does a mother provide for her children? Um, and then what happens when there's this realization that or at least how I took it, that sometimes there's there's nothing more that a mother can actually provide for her children. Yeah. They, um, yeah. So the the yeah the general narrative: the kid is sitting with his family on the train, and he asks the stranger what's in this nicely wrapped box, and the stranger opens the box and he looks inside, and slowly the whole family starts to hear what was in or not what was not in the box and they all does it ever tell you what's in the box no do you yeah what did no you never find out what's in the box well i guess actually there is one moment when it's christmas and so you know the box because it's like kind of big and wrapped beautifully in this bright red like crimson wrapping paper and then for christmas so first of all i want to say that like the the main story takes place in a week and then all of a sudden it goes to Christmas. And then I think February, like end of January, February is when um, the son, daughter, husband die. Um, and there's a moment at Christmas where um, the mother gets the box and she's like, Danny, remember that day on the train? What was in that box? And he's like, nothing. And that's so the casual reply that everyone says when she asks what's uh -huh. in the box. Yeah. Like, nothing. Nothing. 
Um, did you feel like the ambiguity was compelling or did you feel like there was something missing? Honestly, I felt like there was something missing. I, I was frustrated with it. <laughs> I think that's, that's interesting because I feel like there are some times where the mystery is like, like makes it better. But this just from watching the trailer and hearing that there's no answer is like, well, damn. I want Yeah, know. especially watching this whole family like just die and then you don't yeah. get anything out of it. I was like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to feel, which is also kind of was like turned off to watch the rest of it. Where I was like, oh, I don't want to fucking get into any more shit like this. And I, I wanted there to be more closure at the end because it, yeah. it ends with the the main female character riding the train to find the guy again with a gift. And it would have been kind of nice to like to have one last scene of her seeing the guy. Like and if he's across the platform and yeah, the train goes by. Or something. Yeah, I almost wanted that. I feel like it could have benefited from being a little bit longer, maybe. Um, but I think something that Tori said in the review is like there was no like gut punch or mm. something yeah i would agree i would agree maybe the, the box really had nothing to do with it oh shit yeah the biggest turning point the biggest shocking moment for me was the dream sequence when she oh, goes to sleep right opens her eyes so it's a scene of her and her husband going to sleep and the next thing the next scene is her opening her eyes and it pans out and she's in her sleeping nightgown but the camera pans down her body and she is being cut up by her family and eaten. And there's this very, very graphic scene of mm. her severed arm and her sever severed e egg, her <laughs> severed leg. And it's really gruesome. And the father passes out portions of her body to the children and the kids are just smiling and eating. Um, and that seemed to be the gut yeah. punch. But then so it felt up. like the mood and the tension was building to that. But then it dissipated a little bit, yeah. and I didn't know if that was intentional. I was I didn't really know what to make of of that first. Do you think sequence. that this was, like I guess why do you think that they decided to open with the box? Mm. Do you think the order was correct of how these films oh, were? Oh, that's a good question. Or was this trying to maybe like set up mm -hmm. thematically what the other three were trying to accomplish? I think it. I think in my mind, in Christine, I don't know how you feel, but I think they got better as they went along. Like, the last one is her only living son, and I thought that one was fantastic. And the one right before that, Don't Fall, I thought was really good also. I think that tonal or tonally, um, I do agree with Sam that I think it was building um, to the... Th so you have this opening, very ambiguous... Uh, first narrative um, that sort of leaves you wondering, like, this seems that it hasn't been tied up or hasn't been concluded. Uh, the second one, The Birthday Party, and this is the one um, directed by Annie Clark and written by Roxanne Benjamin, who was then the director of the third one. And oh, this is a much more um, stylized, comedic, story yeah i would agree and it's set on the morning of uh this woman's daughter's birthday party and the woman is made my played by melanie linsky which who i love i don't know if you all have seen her in other things um one movie she did with um what is it called like beautiful Dangerous Creatures or something oh, like that? Oh, uh, with... Is that her first movie? I it's think a set so. in Australia. I have not yes. seen it, but it's with um, 
uh, Titanic. Wanna, yeah, I want Kate. Yeah, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was in Ever After, <laughs> which is so throwback. But she's a great comedic um, actress, and it's much more. It's much more stylized. Uh, it's set in this very modern home. The lights are. Uh, the colors are very bright, and it's basically her trying to get everything ready for this perfect birthday party. And then she discovers that her husband has died in his office and she has to disguise the body in a panda costume <laughs> so that the party goers and her daughter don't know that the father Shit. has died. That's dark. <laughs> and <laughs> it is. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. And I think after that first very, very serious story, I was sort of ready for like a sort of refresh something yeah, a little bit lighter. So um, family starving to death and then, kind of something a little more. Can I also just ask a question? Because we also haven't talked about the third movie yet. Do these all center around mothers? All but the third one. Yeah. Which all but is the very third interesting. One. Okay. Interesting. Um, the scene in this one, <laughs> the birthday party, when, okay, so the, the birthday cake, for some odd reason, is placed. Uh, l- let's set the scene. Okay. So the birthday party, um, all of the people are in the dining room. The dead father in the panda suit is sitting up in the panda suit at the table. And the mother is like sitting at the opposite end, just looking at it. And everyone's dancing, having a really great time. And finally, Carlo, who I can only imagine is like the maid, comes in and brings the birthday cake. And for some reason places it right in front of the panda. But in the move of... <laughs> placing the cake she hits the panda's face and so it falls into the cake bounces back up (laughs) the head falls off and everyone just screams because suddenly there's a cadaver (laughs) at the party it all feels very that end sequence feels like a music video because it's like saint vincent music going on it's all slow motion it definitely has seemed like a music I seem video su- i feel like i'm super into this second one actually it sounds great yeah. yeah did you think that this falls under horror um no <laughs> do you think that this story matches the trailer that connor watched and that like very intense poster that advertises the entire anthology yeah in a like weird setting the tone for horror In a weird way, because I think it might not be, like, a traditional horror, but I think it's, like, super unsettling the entire time. Because, like, yeah, you're right in the fact that it is a super modern house, the colors are really bright, but the birthday decorations are black and white. Mm, Um, And then, okay, so I'm gonna... This felt a little bit like the elephant in the room for me, but it felt like a, a very suburban, rich, white family who adopted a black daughter... And I mean, maybe not, but then um, they they play with black and white a lot in it because like, the, the panda, yeah, yeah, the panda, and then they end up making. I think the daughter's name is Lucy. Uh, you know, a string of things, a string of events happen, and Lucy has to get an alternate costume because I guess it's a Halloween birthday party. One kid, by the way, dresses up as a toilet, which I was like, <laughs> <laughs> the toilet yes. awesome. slow mo bouncing in the back. <laughs> the, the, like, it was so climactic funny. Scene. Oh, I want to know that kid. <laughs> yeah. I was like same, yeah. Um, and but she goes as a ghost that was cut from a shower curtain, and it is the fucking cutest thing I've ever seen. I was like, like Charlie Brown, kind of like, yeah. But like, she was really, cute. she was so cute. I was like, I'm gonna fucking steal you, because oh my god, wow. What's interesting is I think that this second one only had two or three shots in the trailer, and like a three minute trailer, two minute trailer. It's only like in there once or twice, and just like. 
quick flash of just like a mom sitting at a table and then like one like blip of like dancing. And other than that, there's like nothing else from film two in the trailer. Tori, in the reviews, mm -hmm. did reviewers try to separate them and rank the stories? Uh, say this one was the best, this one was the worst. I was trying to get a sense of what w reviewers were thinking um, when they were watching each individually and mm. from the ones I saw no um, honestly a lot of them were very generic and trying to like I guess encapsulate like the idea of this particular anthology in general because yeah like that was the main thing that came up it's just like oh yeah this is the anthology movie all the directors were women and like that's kind of what every single review was based around so it's interesting that they didn't talk as much about individual ones at least from the ones I saw again yeah because I feel like a sequence like this sets it up, it sets itself up for comparison. Yeah. Which um, makes me also intrigued by a format like this because I think everyone approaches the genre of horror differently. And I, I, I wanted to know, Sam, why you thought that this connects to the genre of horror because through description it, do, it just seems like a funny music video. Yeah, no, I think it's because it's just so unsettling and surreal. I mean, if you think about the situation, this wife discovers that her husband is dead, seemingly like an overdose, and her first reaction is like, it's gonna ruin the party. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, you're not calling 911? And so like, and everything she does with the body, she's like dragging it into another room, trying to hide it over um, a blanket and then pays a guy who she apparently she pays a thousand dollars on the two ounces of weed she had left from her knee surgery last January to the guy that she had hired to dress up and dance. First of all, hiring out like a panda guy. And she's like, oh, your choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, is this like a stripper panda guy? But um, so she pays him a thousand dollars in the weed, stuffs the kind of husband, is this? stuffs the husband in the costume. It's such a physical performance. I mm. love Melanie Linsky because she can communicate anxiety, dread, just complete uh, concern through her face. And just through That's every so movement she does. Um, and I thought her performance was one of the best out of all of the, uh, all of the, the short stories. Um, you know, it's so funny. I didn't think I liked this one a lot. And now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, no, shit. I, I actually really did. Mm. So the third one. Oh. Um, you <laughs> What did you think of the third one? The third one kicks ass because um, as it's happening, I'm like, everyone deserves exactly what's coming to them. So basically they're, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, a brother-sister, the sister brought her girlfriend along and then just like a, another random friend. And they're on um, like a hiking trip, I think somewhere in the desert. And they discover these like weird cave blood drawings and then one of them turns into a monster and kills the rest. She gets bitten by a scorpion. Oh, is that what happens? Oh, I fucking missed that. Oh, that some makes sense. Small scene where she's standing up against a rock and she gets bitten. And there's that, what's that? Oh my God, I'm bitten. And then don't think anything of it. But then again, do think something of it. But she was just screaming a lot through that like whole first bit. So I was like, I'm not like paying attention. <laughs> 
It's so it's interesting that this writer was also collaborated on the second one, and their tones couldn't be more different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. This third one seemed like a straight up scary as fuck movie. Yeah. Uh, the I thought this one had the most um, in your face uh, startling moments mm-hmm. as the as the woman transforms into this monster after she's bitten and essentially kills her, all three of her friends. Does she turn into a scorpion monster? She, I don't know. She don't turns know. into this very, very intense uh, monster face. Actually, her face kind of looked like that sea creature you pulled up on your phone, but with long <laughs> like Blobfish. fingers and nails. Oh. How did you feel like this fit to fit with the other three? The other three are about like motherhood, about the relationships between women and the people in their families, and well, I or do you think it had to fit with the other three? Oh God, that's a good question. God, I don't know how to answer. I think that it fits in if you're showing like everything that women can be. So, you know, women can be kind of unfeeling parental units. Women can be just, like, handling situations and getting shit done, even though it's, like, super bizarre. Women can be (laughs) evil monsters. And then women can be strong as fuck. And honestly, this monster in the third one was also strong as fuck. She just, like, went for it, tore it up, tore up the entire, like, hiking trailer, um, shoves her partner like off of a cliff and yeah. the girl breaks her feet like her leg oh and the bones one like, of the oh, compound yeah. fracture oh, scenes oh. um the, that that makeup design and gore was was very was very compelling um, the biggest share of the scary. trailer is when it like does a quick cut to her like in the trailer yes lots of hunching over Great in the shadows noise. it was yeah. yeah well and if I didn't pa- I pause to look at it but if I saw this in theaters it looked like it was like a three headed kind of mo- like it was a very oh, well shot with like lighting and shadows and you couldn't yeah. tell that like what was a face and what was just like a limb and then the fourth one uh, her only living son which you you talked a little bit about earlier um I thought this was interesting, and I didn't even do this on purpose uh, as a replacement for Rosemary's Baby. But the way I read yeah, that fourth yeah, story was definitely that this is so interesting. What happens between now? Her name is Cora in this right. movie or in this segment. However, this was I saw a pretty clear cut. What happens eighteen years later after the end of the original Rosemary's Baby? How and um, I did. There was an interesting sequence, the scene with the doctor, um, which I was a little bit confused by because in the movie, the doctor does not believe her and thinks that she's like having like a breakdown mm. um, when he's like, when she tells him, I'm having the devil's yeah. baby. Uh, but it sounds like the doctor be- believed her in this and, segment. And gave her funds to move. Which I thought was an interesting take on that story. And then... You've got how does a mother live with her son that she knows is the spawn of mm. the devil? And yeah. Tough question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big question. This started making me thinking about just like other movies that, or horror movies that kind of 
are like mainly starring women or like dealing with some of this stuff because you motherhood seems to come up a lot. Has anyone seen the movie called The Monster that came out in 2016? Mm-mm. Um, it has uh, Zoe Kazan in it. Oh yeah. Um, and it was done by the dude who did uh, The Strangers. And what else? Is that the scary mask people home invasion movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was really good. It's basically like this story about a mom who I believe is a is a drug addict and just like not like taking care of her kid at all. And so she and the kid are driving to drop her off with her father because the girl decides she wants to stay with the father. And then like the car breaks down or whatever. And then it turns into like they get attacked by a monster. But it's so interesting Mm -hmm. and it like really delves into this like relationship between like this mother who's like seemingly like kind of a terrible mother and like her daughter who seems to really dislike her um but yeah it it brought that up just because i was thinking about like that kind of Mm -hmm. theme that's been going on in a lot of these uh movies in the film it seems like the the final scene i thought was an interesting choice where this is after the son is attacking other students at the school pulling their fingernails off there's this gross scene where she finds this box under his bed of this girl's fingernails stacy say her name stacy i did not (laughs) stacy deserves recognition no she does because like in the in the thing um there's like this crazy ass meeting where um the cora cora and stacy's mom go um to meet up the principals and and the principal and stacy's mom is like (laughs) stacy's mom um anyway stacy's mom is like aren't you gonna do something for this kid i mean you've always been good to our family cora but holy shit this is a big thing and it's like well maybe maybe stacy should stay out of school for a little bit maybe stacy and i was like oh fuck this is so messed up because it's like oh Stacy's at fault for this fucking asshole ripping off her fingernails. That's such a good point. Um, you have the administration being like, hmm, Stacy needs to reassess. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that hug at the end when they both just crush each other to death and fall into a, a pool of blood. What? Yeah, what? that's how it ends. Whoa. Um, which I thought was kind of the only way that's it could wild. end. She doesn't want to give up her son. Um, I think she really loves her son. And no doubt. I think that was just such a kind of beautiful I felt like just nonchalantly you drropped that (laughs) one like ah bath of blood yeah so um so that was XX uh I I'd be interested um now I do kind of want to watch it again I want to watch it yeah and I think Christine to answer your question is like yes this was important yeah it definitely was needed and important. I know for me, I was exci- I'm was i excited to see what these directors do next. Um, I know that Karen, um, uh, who was the director of the last one? Karen uh, Kusama did The Invitation, which was an excellent movie <gasps> that I watched. I fucking love that movie. That makes that so, so much sense. So she's already sense. kind of like had a plot. Like she's oh, I want to talk some, about that movie so things. much that have been <laughs> widely released, um, but looking forward to seeing what uh, these other writers and directors um, have to, to say. We are going to take a short break and we'll be right back with you all. Stay tuned. Do you think it's called XX because they hug each other at the end? Like two hugs? That... No, it's XX it, because of women. Yeah. That's but it. maybe, maybe. My brain didn't go to that point. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Connie. You're still recording? Great. Let's not put that
Okay, welcome back to Butter With That. Uh, we are entering our final segment um, in which we um, ask a whiteboard question, essentially just questions that we would write on a whiteboard at work and have now translated into a podcast questioning segment. This week's question is, put yourself in a horror movie. You must die for narrative purposes. How do you die... Why do you why do you have to die? Any significant details related to the scene of your death? So this, I had an answer just popped in my head right away when you asked this question a couple of days ago, um, and it's the one that I'm sticking with. I think I would be one of the first to die, in sort of like teens go to the cabin kind of movie. Um, I think I'd be part of like the first search party that's like, wow, something weird is going on. Let's like get some flashlights and wow, isn't it kind of fun being in the spooky woods? And then I would just like disappear. And oh, then so you'd like, be like one of the ones that's found like at the end. Like, exactly. Butchers. And actually, I thought of how they would find how how they would find me is by someone. This is like probably let's say, you know, 70 more minutes, about an hour into the movie. Someone would step and hear a crunch. And then oh, they would no, find my glasses. <laughs> That's so sad. And then there would be like really no other resolution about what happened except that I was like the first one to get grabbed. And then Gritty is holding your severed head in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Gritty would save me. It's a short clock till that uh, mascot is uh-huh. an on-screen murderer. Oh <laughs> yes, I mean the fact that it hasn't happened already. Um, but with that fans who are not in Philadelphia, please Google Gritty. Flyers, yeah, hockey if you, mascots. If you never want to sleep again. Our, our one fan from Sweden. <laughs> Check it out. Um, so that's my I, answer. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Um, mine is mine is just a very, very silly thing. So I am definitely someone who has just, like, some irrational, like, fears that don't, like, totally, like, ruin my life, but... <laughs> But I just think about them a lot. So, like, I always have to leave my shower curtain open in my bathroom because I'm always paranoid. Like, there'll be a person. Like, something like that, shower you know? Shower curtains are very scary. Um, there's also a really, really dumb one that when I was, like, five or six, my friend's grandfather told me that there were invisible sharks in the pool and I needed to watch out. <laughs> that is so horrible. fucked up. And That's fucked up. I, st- I know it's not true, but I still <laughs> think about it every single time I go into a pool. And so I feel like I... I would probably die in one of these movies by like finally getting over my fear and embracing it and then that's when I die. Like I finally step into a pool without <laughs> thinking about invisible sharks and then I get, get eaten by an invisible shark. Little did you know that you were in the movie about invisible sharks. Yeah. Um, which like you also asked. Sharknado 6. You also like asked in the, the question you sent out if like your death would be like meaningful or be like cold and arbitrary and it would definitely just be cold and arbitrary. <laughs> <laughs> But like, hardcore. But a greater insight into the way the world works. Like on a grand scale, your Mm -hmm. your death probably would align the most with the meaninglessness of life, and therefore the meaninglessness of death. Do you think people would learn from your death that there were invisible sharks? Um, I think that uh, I would learn that my irrational fears might actually be saving my life. So, yeah, that's what I would take from it if I watched that movie. Hmm. Yeah. So keep being scared of the pool and invisible sharks and stuff. Yeah. Sam or Dave? Well, um, I suppose I would definitely be one of those people who is skeptical that something is going this wrong. (laughs) Mm. 
like uh, the sort of person who would who would have everybody kind of storming in and saying like so and so's missing and like we think they've been killed by so and so or like um, the woods are haunted by this thing and I would just be like okay, come on come on though there is a logical explanation <laughs> there's got to be a reason for all of this either you're seeing like uh, some shadows or whatever that whatever it is and then I would just kind of like confidently storm out and then get spooked pretty fast and then it would be too late and that'd be uh, that'd be that and wow. it would be very inconsequential um wow <laughs> how much we value our own lives <laughs> i know i feel like if there's anyone in the mental health field listening they're like wow all of these people need help <laughs> this is gonna make a tremendous psychological study it someday. really will yeah. yeah i'm waiting for like any of this to get used against me when someone's trying to like commit me or something you know <laughs> Oh god. They just hold up a tape recorder. Yeah, they appear yep. functional and healthy, but have you listened to Butter with that? It tells a different story. <laughs> um, Sam. God, now this is gonna make me sound like a real big asshole. Cause I'm like <laughs> my death is gonna be super meaningful. Yes, yes. Oh, are you gonna be like a, a hero yes, or like yes. a martyr? Oh, I, nice. I was hoping. Yeah. I was really go, hoping. You're like that guy in Volcano who jumps off the thing just to throw a guy to his safety, but still melts horrifyingly? Oh, yeah, man. pretty much. So the best way I could describe it was, um, have we all seen I Am Legend here? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Smith's dog. Are you Will Smith? No, I'm Will Smith's <laughs> dog, Samantha. <laughs> no! Is the dog really so... named Samantha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene fucked me up And so her, her death does. is so sad. Oh. So I was like, I'm dying protecting other people. So you're I'm the like, pet death. Yeah, I, yes, I'm the pet death or, um, you know, we're like, if this was some kind of contagion, um, we're all running from it. I get like somehow ki- like I get I get the virus or whatever. And I'm like, no, I, I have to do it. I can't. I obviously can't stay. With you have like both. the 28 days later. Moment. Get away. Get away from me. Get away from me. And then like the monsters are coming and I'm like. You go and I like close and lock the door behind people behind me or like in front of me or whatever, and then I stay and like try to kill the people wow. and die. Yeah, nice. that's how I would go. Thank Noble. you, Sam, for bringing some sense of strength yeah, into but now I feel a dying like an scene. Asshole. No, no, no. <laughs> well, she thinks too highly of no. herself. Guess what? I don't. You play a very well. You think too highly, and we think very low. So <laughs> let me give you some of this. <laughs> yeah, let's balance this out a little bit. Yeah, unfortunately, I I don't exhibit strength in my death. Um, I have a very slow reaction time to most everything in very um, possibly bad situations. I don't seem to get the picture. Um, I was in a movie theater with 20 minutes left of Wolf of Wall Street. And all of a sudden, the fire alarm goes off. And people are getting up out of their seats and leaving. And I think to yell, turn the movie back on. So this is, my brain does not go to moment of flight. We did just Um, discuss that you don't always make the right gut decision. I don't make the right gut decision. So I think in a movie, I would probably be confronted with the monster. And, um not really 
be ready for it, not register that this is the this is the moment moment of truth, and probably be consumed whole by this being. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking of the scene in Halloween where it's like the girl's boyfriend gets killed and he puts on like the sheet and she just assumes it's him, but he's not saying anything and she's just like sitting there like naked and like kind of flirting and then getting pissed off that he's not saying anything and then she fucking dies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, on a train, a uh, subway once, um, and some people came up and spread a big map over friends, uh, like friends asking, like how to get somewhere, and they asked me, and I was like, oh, great opportunity to show people directions. So I'm like, spending ten <laughs> minutes explaining how to get to the subway stop, and meanwhile, uh, someone's under the map uh, pickpocketing all four of my friends. Uh, <laughs> wow! And then. We realize it, and then instead of running after them, I go, I was just trying to explain to you how to, like, how rude. And then I missed a good 30-second opportunity to basically help find the wallets wow. of me and my You friends. rude monster. Yeah, so I would, I would say, shame on you, monster, and then get consumed. Yeah, you told him. It's interesting. I don't think we could be in the same horror movie. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, no. <laughs> nah. Mm-mm. Well, um, hopefully all of these will uh, get some screen time when we write and direct our <laughs> Hopefully our we will all die grisly deaths on screen. When we have yeah. our weird anthology uh, that we all do yes, together. That would be <laughs> great. very fun. Uh, watch out for YouTube. <laughs> Coming five at days. Ya. It actually sounds like I was just talking about this last night, too. Um, has anyone seen Body Bags? No. Uh, it has um, John Carpenter is in it, and he... It's like in a morgue, and so all the stories are like of like dead bodies cool. that are in the morgue. It's really great, but yeah, that was like the first thing I thought of. Where it's like, oh, it's just like an anthology thing of like all of our weird deaths. <laughs> so it turns out four out of five of them cho- choked on saltine crackers <laughs> oh. or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. Sam jumped in front of a bus to save everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Does anyone want to plug anything? Okay, why is everyone looking at me? <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, of course, plug my horror movie night, as always. Uh, I assume when this airs, uh, I will be gearing up for November. So it's the first Sunday of every month. And I believe I am doing Suspiria as of right now, because the remake also comes out in November. So I figured it'd be fun to celebrate with the original. It's usually fun. It's a free screening, popcorn, you know cheap drinks and shit so uh, it's chill and kill horror on facebook so you can find the event there um yeah anything else guys yeah um remember to subscribe to rate and to review us on itunes and soundcloud um also follow us on instagram twitter and facebook please thanks for listening mm. yeah thanks bye fam bye <laughs> bye <laughs>